This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Ohana Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner here with you today, and this week hoping to have a couple of podcasts for you, including one about a big week for college hoops and Illinois basketball, especially as it's decision week for their best players. But today on the podcast, we're going to talk a lot of Illinois football because Illinois football continues to add a lot of talent over the last couple months. They have 14 commitments over the last three months in the prep realm and also seven transfers. Transfers committed already. Uh, they're coming into the program right now. So I catch up with Ryan Easterling to catch up about the latest three, and that includes one transfer, Missouri transfer Kamari Thompson. We break down what he could add to the wide receiver room. Then we talk about an in-state get number two in this class after missing out on all in-state talent last year. Illinois add Zachary Barlev, another offensive lineman to the class of 2021 out of Plainfield East. He joins Josh Kruitz out of Loyola Academy in this class. Break down what he adds to the offensive line. And then Tyler Strain, a very low-recruited uh, defensive back. He did out offer from USF and Tulane, but Ryan and I, a little bit higher on him. Uh, doesn't even have a ranking yet for 24-7 sports. We're working on that, but uh, Ryan and I like what we see. We'll break down what he could add to Kinoto Hudson's growing uh, secondary. He's added six now defensive backs in the class. We also talk about the news on the roster as Ricky Smalling, Rayvon Bonner, Jake Cerny all will not play this fall. Assuming, of course, there is play this fall. So we break that down as well and the impact that'll have on the Illinois offense. All those guys, uh, key parts last year, rotation parts last year. So we'll talk to Ryan about all of that. A lot of Illinois football talk coming up next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, time to bring in Ryan Easterling, Alana Enquirer. We almost did this last week because there was some football news, but glad we didn't, Ryan, because you're out in Montana. How's the uh, how's the home state of Phil Jackson doing? Uh it was it was a heater. It was it was uh, it's crazy because it gets so dang cold there in the winter, and everyone just assumes that it doesn't get hot there in the summer. But we actually hit triple digits on Wednesday, so um, you know it was it was 102, and you know even if the humidity's not as as bad, it's still hot. Yeah. So. Uh, and I'm out there in work clothes, so it's not like I was out there in shorts and everything. It was it was still hot. Yeah. So, yeah. so what's out? What's engineering wise out in Montana? What are you doing? Uh, so there's a power plant out there. We're uh, we're doing a, a station retirement. A couple of the units out there are shutting down. So uh, in order to lay them up in place, we had some uh, equipment we had to get commissioned. So it was uh, kind of crunch time. They're coming down the home stretch of it. So we're we're looking to wrap that one up here in about a month total. Yeah, I just don't know if people know the, the Ryan Easton day job. <laughs> it's a lot more glamorous than it sounds. <laughs> All Wait, right. I think I got that backwards. It's not as glamorous <laughs> as it sounds. Usually it involves traveling to the smallest airport I could find and then driving two or three hours into the middle of nowhere. So Yeah, like most of these these places are in the middle. Like so where's the where's the actual middle of nowhere? Have you located it yet? I, oh, I spent a couple months there. It's it's called Ulysses, Kansas. <laughs> um, so I was there. I flew there on New Year's Day one year and ended up off and on for the next month and a half or so coming to and from this site. I flew into Wichita and drove four hours southwest into the like southwest corner of Kansas. It's near Garden City. So it's I, one time I flew into Garden City and it's like the airport's a warehouse just about. <laughs> 
Um, but it's like an hour south of Garden City. So even there, Garden City is in the middle of nowhere and you even go further <laughs> away from that. So it's, that's gotta be up there. They did a couple of years ago, have a kid that went to K-State though. Yeah. So they're not completely off the map. Well, that's but, the thing about those, those junior colleges, especially, I mean, Kansas is like the hub of them. Mississippi is kind of a hub of them too. Uh, if you're going to make it there, like there's not much else to do. So you got to be pretty driven um, to, to go there to succeed and, I guess you better focus on football because there's not much else going on there. Not not a whole lot of distractions out there. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, Ryan. Let's break down uh, Illinois adds a bunch of talent here the last couple weeks two high school kids that you know no other power five offers it's always an interesting discussion with with this class which is growing with those uh but uh, the big news was uh, kamari thompson the missouri transfer so we'll break down all those guys but first of all let's talk about actual the potential 2020 team here three guys on offense who will not be part of the team the headliner, of course, is Ricky Smalling, who during the last decade, I think, has been the most productive uh, Illinois wide receiver they've had. Uh, and then um, you have two guys who are rotation players for Illinois. Rayvon Bonner, who's actually the career returning rusher for this team, if he would have come back. Um, he's gone for this season. Personal decision there for him. And then Jake Cerner, he also makes the personal decision to opt out of the season and, and likely be done with his college football career. Uh, so he's not going to play this fall as well. Made one start. The bowl game last year was going to be probably one of the, the top depth guys on this team. But let's start with Ricky Smalling, Ryan. A, a landmark get, the first get for Lovey Smith, along with Kendall Smith. They, I remember vividly them uh, committing during his spring practice, during Lovey's first spring there. And he had a very productive career. The last couple of years were up and down. Just what do you think about the impact of not having Ricky Smalling on the field this fall? I think for for me, it's it's just kind of disappointing because he had so much potential coming out of high school, had a really good freshman year, uh, struggled a little bit his sophomore year with just on the field. Um, and then obviously last year had the injury. Um, so, you know, you see a guy that, that could have been such a stalwart at the wide receiver position, having some of these struggles, um, both, you know, on the field and off. Um, it's just kind of disappointing because he's such a talent. Um, and you finally look at a year where you have the, p- the potential to have Imator Bebe, Smalling, and Sydney all out there, one, two, three, along with Luke Ford. Uh, I mean, that's a really, really tough matchup. And now you're looking to replace a senior wide receiver um, with guys that are, for the most part, unproven. Um, you know, Smalling had a good amount of experience aside from the games he missed. He was probably one of the guys that had taken the most snaps at the position for them. Um, and so I, I think the void that he left is, is going to be uh, – it'll be an opportunity for some guys. I think this is a good opportunity for a guy like Casey Washington to step up and, and possibly some of the other transfers they've had. But, um, you know, I, it's a big hit to the roster. Smalling was a, is a playmaker who just, I, I think, really never hit his full potential at Illinois. And so I, I think it's going to hurt a little bit. But, um, you know, I don't think it's a – I don't think it's a complete – uh, killer, but it's definitely going to mean that some other guys are going to have to step up. Yeah, this is why they added Desmond Dan. Illinois had a pretty good idea when Desmond Dan committed that Ricky Smalling would not be part of this team, and that was right after uh, this pandemic hit, so it's, a, it's not COVID-related. But uh, So they had a good idea. But Dan, unproven, wasn't a top-rated recruit, but he seems like a depth piece that, that could have a big role here. But Casey Washington's the guy right now. I mean, he's got a lot of pressure on him, and obviously – he showed some flashes last year that were really good. I thought he had a really strong training camp for a true freshman. But as expected, Ryan, you know, for every good play, he had a big catch against, uh, I believe it was Wisconsin. He's going to have some inconsistencies. And he was pulled from some games he even started. He started five games last year. Uh, but he's even pulled from some of those games just because he was inconsistent. And they went with a guy like Caleb Reams, who doesn't offer as much physical ability. So there's pressure on him. But, but the bigger issue might be, what if you have another injury? Right, I mean, we saw wide receivers how quickly they went down last year. So if a Matt Torbebe went down, uh, you got some big questions there. But the X factor in all of this, and uh, I, I, I haven't gotten a firm answer yet, is those transfers they've added: Kamari Thompson, you know, Brian Hightower. If and I know that's a big if for Illinois fans here, if one of them got a waiver, that'd be massive. Uh, just because you can get them to play right away, that that really improves your depth of just options, guys who are ready to make an impact. Because Edwin Carter, 
I know fans are hopeful for him because they saw that 11 snaps he had and had two touchdowns, but he's really unproven. Delvon Campbell is unproven. So, of course, those guys got to step up. But if they can get another more experienced, more mature guy uh, to be eligible, that'd be big. It's just you can't count on that. Yeah, and I mean, if there's a time where that potential exists, it's now just with all everything that's going on. I mean, I don't know if the NCAA would consider it, but maybe they do where because of the the nature of this season, if guys – uh, you know, want to take the risk of playing and can play if the season even happens, maybe they give those guys an opportunity because I, I brought this up. I think last time we talked on the pod, um, you know, if the season's canceled, it's going to be a really interesting decision to see what the NCAA decides to do as far as eligibility goes, because you've got a bunch of seniors who are looking to uh, make that last hurrah to try and build draft stock or, you know, win their senior season. But, you still, you're still recruiting. You're still trying to uh, build your future roster. I mean, do they expand the scholarship limit for one year and then mm-hmm. go back? Do they, and then you graduate 40 to 50 players. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns there. So, um, you know, if one of those guys is able to get a waiver, which I, I think that'd be a good way to at least not have to face massive rosters. I mean, you're really not trying to overcrowd locker rooms right. either. The idea is to keep the capacity at a reasonable level there too. So, you know, if they are able to give some of these guys a waiver, uh, having a guy like Brian Hightower be able to step yeah. in right away. And I think he's probably the more likely one than Kamari Thompson, just because he's a little bit older. Um, but if he can come in and, and fill that void, I think he is very similar to Ricky in a lot of ways, just in his ability to go up and, and win jump balls. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think that would be a huge addition for Illinois if he's able to come in and, and step in right away. But as we've seen in the past, the uh, the NCAA is extremely inconsistent with what they do with waivers. Uh, <laughs> Luke Ford. Yeah. Um, and um, sorry, got a little something there. Uh, and they just it's it's really unpredictable. It's kind of on a case by case basis. I mean, if he got a legal name change to Tate Martell, maybe he'd have a good chance at it. But. I just, I don't know. I don't think you can count on it. I think you prepare as if you have the guys you have, but you know, it, it'd be a huge windfall if something like that yeah. were to fall into place. Well, Chase Brown, I mean, his waiver didn't get until the Michigan game, right? Like that made no sense to me, but whatever, he got some experience and, and he's going to be an important piece this year. And even more important, I mean, I, I think Chase Brown and Mike Epstein are the top two backs in this team. I've had the hot take that I actually think, as much as I like Dre Brown and, and Reggie Corbin, I think they can actually upgrade at running back. But now, Ryan, they have to replace their top three guys. Uh, and while I think Chase Brown and Mike Epstein can be uh, big upgrades, Brown isn't proven at this level yet, uh, even though Illinois really, really likes him. Epstein hasn't been able to stay healthy. And now Bonner was a guy who had experience, wasn't explosive, uh, but was able to, to get some yards between the tackles and be really good in the goal line. He was, he was a good goal line back. Now that opens the door for Jakari Norwood, who's a very different back, a very a good speed, has shown well in camp, had a nice long run against UConn, uh, but struggled to get carries last year. Kenyon Sims is maybe a master of no skill, but uh, has a little bit of wiggle to him, a little bit of size to him. Uh, and I think Reggie Love uh, has a potential opportunity here to, if he's healthy, if he's in shape, uh, to possibly get a role here. So I'm not too concerned about running back, but you do take a little bit away from the depth you like. And just a piece uh, in Rayvon Bonner and a proven piece who's a little bit different than every other back in that room. Yeah, and I mean, the thing to remember, too, is Rayvon did miss a game here and there as well with some minor dinged-up injuries. So, you know, there's a lot of question marks with that group. I think you you kind of hit it, though, that Epstein and, Ch- and Chase Brown are going to be your clear one-two this year, and that's a really good one-two to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Chase Brown gives you a little more twitch than Dre Brown did. Dre was an excellent kind of slasher-type runner uh, where he'd find the gap. He was really good at absorbing contact and, and bouncing off of guys, and I – you know, I, I, it was unfortunate that so much of Dre's career was hampered by injuries. I mean, he had a handful of knee injuries and still managed to do what he did this past year. But, um, you know, Chase Brown, I think, brings a lot of potential. If he's any bit the athlete his brother is, which it looks like he is, I think there's a lot of promise there. You know, he averaged a pretty good yard per carry uh, in his limited action at Western Michigan as a freshman. So, you know, I, I think if Epstein is able to stay healthy – and you have Chase Brown, that's a really, really great one-two punch that gives you some time to continue to develop the guys behind them. Um, you know, if, if either 
Epstein or Chase Brown goes down, I think you're probably looking at having to get Reggie Love ready for action. Um, you know, I don't, I think it'll be a battle between he and Kenyon Sims for some of those, you know, third back carries during the early downs. Uh, you know, they'll probably get more and more creative with Norwood now, especially now that it sounds like Norwood's putting on a little more weight and muscle mass, uh, which is really what he needed to do to, to be able to get more consistent carries and more consistent touches. But, you know, if, if Reggie Love is able to come in, he's kind of that, that every down back, uh, a versatile guy. They used him in a lot of ways, Trinity, um, you know, but he's not afraid to run between the tackles. And so if you do lose a guy like Epstein again, uh, heaven forbid, um, you've got a guy that can step in and at least give you some of those similar characteristics that Epstein did. Now, if Epstein can stay healthy, I think he 100% has the potential to be a thousand yard rusher, at least on a normal season. Mm-hmm. You know, what the stat benchmarks end up being this year based on the what ends up being the season length uh, is yet to be seen. But, you know, if uh, up top, I think you're in good shape. If they can stay healthy, they're in good shape. If not, you start to have to reach down the depth chart a bit. But I don't think the cupboard is completely bare. It's just a little more unproven. Uh, offensive line, Jake Cerny was kind of the swing guy. Um, I always thought he was kind of a serviceable backup, right? You put him in, not going to kill you if everyone else is there. I think he's very technically sound, but just didn't have you know Big Ten strength for the most part. Uh, but I thought in the past game and in some of those run blocking schemes, he could be okay. Uh, but obviously, it's a it's a proven guy, right? That that you know, hey, if we have a pinch, we we can put him in there and he can do okay. Um, but I, I think this is just, it further puts the spotlight on those red shirt sophomores, right? Like, I think they would have hoped that Virtus Brown, he probably would have gone in this year rather than Jake Cerny if they had an injury of guard or that Julian Pearl, you hope could play the tackle spot. If one of those tackles gets hurt or Jordan Slaughter, who I think could play guard or tackle that he is probably the guy that they would have gone in over Cerny at this point this year, but you just don't know because, because we haven't seen it yet. So Ryan, it's just really I kind of almost like that those guys have even more pressure on them without Cerny there that you're the next guy up. Who Who's going to step up? Who's going to be there? Who can we rely on this year to be the serviceable backup? Who can we rely on next year to be a starter? Yeah, I, I would hope that this creates a sense of urgency in those guys that have been kind of sitting in those backup roles and, and looking for opportunities because – the other thing I would hope is that they're not having to play all five starters for 80, 90 snaps a game. Uh, you know, those guys are good. They, they did well last year and they, for the most part, stayed relatively healthy, which was, you know, not, not always the case. And so, you know, if they're able to get some more guys into that rotation, that's going to help towards the back end of the season to keep those guys fresh, to keep those guys from getting worn out, make them less injury prone. And like you said, you'd really hope that by now guys like like Slaughter and Pearl um, and Virtus Brown, for that matter, are able to step in and give you some meaningful snaps. I mean, Virtus Brown is an extremely strong kid, uh, and you know he he played pretty well at, at center when he was with IMG. It's just he, it seems like it's taken a little mm-hmm. bit of time for him to adjust at the college level, get up to the the speed of making those those calls along the line. Um, you know, I, I think you probably see him in the rotation more this year if he, uh, you know, gets that that mental part of it down, gets uh, more comfortable with the rhythm of the offense. Um, and with Jordan Slaughter, I mean, I'm sure he's probably f- mentally ready to go. It's just he's had that lingering shoulder injury that's kind of kept him limited for a while. And you know, if he's finally healthy, I, he's a guy that I think could really step in there and give them some depth of guard. I, you know, if they're able to get seven or eight deep this year, that's going to make a good line even that much better. I mean, I think they've got a great offensive line this year in the starting spots, but, you know, to really get the most out of that line, I think that they're going to need those two to three guys in that second string group that can kind of flex to either side of the line uh, to step up and give them some, some meaningful snaps uh, just to keep some of those starters fresh so they don't wear them down um, from the middle to the end of the season. And that's a hard part about not having spring ball and not having the non-conference games. I think it impacts that group more than any. Uh, maybe, maybe the backup quarterbacks, uh, maybe, maybe that's one of the parts too. But I think those young guys who are maybe not the guys this year, but get those reps, get that experience. But then next year, that's like 
where they can kind of get their feet wet and and that's where it can all pay off because i feel like the starters those, those guys who are fourth and fifth year seniors or or juniors like th- those guys should be fine but it's that next group and the offensive line and, and quarterback are two big question marks for 2021 i think that's where it impacts you most but Illinois is trying to address some of those needs with multi-year transfers. Brevin Jones, I know they're excited about, probably play left tackle. Bob McLean told me uh, he's somebody that they had. We talked about Brian Hightower. Uh, Kamari Thompson, uh, Adam Missouri transfer here, Ryan. Um, obviously six foot two, 210 pounds with blazing speed. Uh, was on the track team at Missouri. The tools are there. I, I just have no idea, you know, how he can play, how he is at college football because he's only played one year of high school football, tore it up there, uh, but obviously didn't crack uh, the depth chart at Missouri early on in his career, had the injury last year, uh, but the traits certainly are there. Yeah, and the, the thing I, I, I noticed when I really watched his film for the first time was, man, this guy looks like the type of receiver that Missouri always thrives with. It's, it's that guy that's a little bit bigger than the defensive backs, super fast, good leaping ability, uh, just a raw, scrappy athlete, um, you know, needs still a little bit of time to, to get some of the, the refinements down in his skill set. But, you know, he's a guy that just gives you some of those raw athletic tools that you can really shape and mold into a, a matchup problem. Um, you know, if he gets a little more technically sound, which I'm sure he will get that coaching once he gets to Illinois, uh, but if he gets a little more technically sound with some of his, his moves at the line of scrimmage, you know, he's got a good first step. Uh, but if he just learns some of those little body control and hand fight techniques, that's going to allow him to get open more consistently than he had been in high school. And I'm sure he probably got some of that at Missouri too, but um, you know, he's a guy that if he can get a couple steps on a defender, he's gone. Right. Uh, he's fast. He's, he's not a guy that slows down uh, 30, 40 yards down the field. He has that top end speed, that, that hundred meter sprinter speed. You know, there's a lot of football players that have that 30 meter, 40 meter speed that start to lose it a little bit after a while, but he's got that full hundred meter speed where he can go end to end uh, and maintain top end speed on the back half of his run. So, you know, he's got good hands. I think he's got fairly reliable hands. Um, Obviously he'll be on the jugs machine a lot, trying to just work on that. Um, But the big thing I think for him, once he gets to Illinois is just building synergy with the quarterbacks. You know, he's, very unlikely that he's ever going to work with Brandon Peters on the field, uh, maybe other than practice situations. Uh, I think for the most part, he's probably looking, um, looking at Isaiah, probably looking at Duspan, uh, working with those guys. And, you know, once he gets that timing down with those guys and they get comfortable with the timing with him, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them start to uncork a few deep balls, uh, put him over the middle, run that deep post route and let him, let him show off that track speed. This is where the NFL wide receivers coach comes in, right? Like uh, Andrea Stoker seems very confident. He told Kamari Thompson, hey, I'm going to use you the way you should be used. I'm going to develop those skills, the route running, the refinement stuff that you need to get to the next level. So it'll be very interesting to see what he does. At the very least, you just put him on a nine route. You know, at least he can do that. Like he adds that one thing that that should translate. Uh, So Kamari Thompson obviously adds more talent to a wide receiver group uh, that obviously needs it. And and a guy that I, I don't know if fans think of as kind of raw technically um but paid off last year matt torbebe made made some mistakes when it came to route running you talk about being on the same page as quarterback he had many of those times where they weren't on the same page uh and he he's got some raw route you know tree things he needs to work on and that's part of why he wanted to come back but you saw just how that talent plays right and how an opportunity can open that up uh they're hoping for the same thing obviously with brian hightower and kamari thompson but ryan i do feel better about that wide receiver group you know, you add Desmond Dan into there. You feel a lot better about the cliff not, you know, not falling off the cliff at wide receiver with those guys in the mix. That you have some talent there, Casey Washington, James Frenchy, Kyron Cumby. You feel like you have some talent to work with, and that was my big question with that room: is how much talent do you have? I think Hightower, Thompson, and Frenchy obviously really helped that. Yeah, I mean, especially building for the future because you know, regardless of what Ricky ended up doing this offseason you were still going to lose Imatur baby in Sydney after this year. So you're having to reload. And we've talked about it time and time again, that that receiver room for the most part is pretty unproven. You know, they've got some pieces there and they've got some good talent, but not a whole lot proven. you know, Dalvin Campbell's a physically imposing receiver, a big kid, strong kid, um, but had the injury last year and just never really got a chance to show what he could do. He had some good high school tape. Uh, Edwin Carter had a couple of flashes in the game before he got hurt and, 
you know, with an injury that catastrophic, you know, you're looking at now a guy like Alex Smith, who had a similar injury, just now got cleared after a couple years of extensive surgeries and some really intensive rehab. So, you know, I think it's important to temper expectations for a guy like that, but uh, you know, the talent is there, but when you can add Brian Hightower, you know, you can add some of these other guys that like Kamari Thompson, um, that give you that top end speed. You're not bringing in receivers that run four eights right. and have like 28, 29 inch verticals. Imator baby has a 46 inch vertical, uh, which is pretty much just floating. It's better than the guy. It's better than the guy you got in the background there. it's close it's close yeah it's it's up there but i mean anytime you have a guy that either can separate like that and and get open consistently just by by speed or a guy that can out jump his opponents um i mean you look at what was it henry ruggs you look at his high school basketball tape and the guy's dunking over people yeah i mean uh, don't get me wrong henry ruggs is also a very polished receiver but the guy can just fly and jump um, and I think that's what they're kind of hoping they get in, in some of these transfers. I mean, Brian Hightower's got good, but not elite speed, uh, but Thompson's a sprinter. And so they're starting to piece some of these things together that at least give them a chance to develop some of these receivers into a, a pretty comprehensive set of guys for the next two or three years. By the way, for people listening on the pod, we're doing this on Zoom and, and Ryan's got a poster of Michael Jordan leaping through the air. Jeremy's trying to blaspheme MJ. <laughs> I'm just saying. What was MJ's? I mean, he was close to a 48 guy, wasn't he, in his prime? It, it was. He was pretty good. I, I don't know. He was at least mid-40s. Yeah. So, Bebe's up there, man. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. All right. When we come back, let's talk about the latest high school additions to the class of 2021. Zachary Barlev and Tyler Strain. Break down what we see from them and what impact they can make at Illinois. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, uh, two more high school additions, and, and now in this class with Zachary Barlev and uh, Tyler Strain, you have most of this class, or at least half this class, that doesn't have another Power 5 offers. Uh, let's start with Barlev, because I, I wasn't as high on him when I kind of watched his film when they offered him, but I do see what they see a little bit. He's six foot three, 290 pounds. He does move well, like he can get out in space and, and block. I just don't know if he's the most fluid, most flexible right now, Ryan, but I do think... Like when Bowling Green got him, I sat there and go, he's going to be a good Mac offensive lineman. Like I said, I think he's going to be like a three year starting offensive lineman in the Mac, maybe four if he redshirted a year. So that translates to the Big Ten is at least a depth piece. I think he's got a, a decently high floor, but um, you know, I, I still think he's got another step to take uh, when it comes to the flexibility and all of that. But uh, what do you think uh, of Zachary Barlev? I think, uh, you know, he could be a guy kind of like a Jake Sterney where he ends up being that swing guy. Cause you know, he's, he's not the tallest guy in the world. Maybe he still grows a little bit more, but um, you know, Cerny, Cerny was a tackle in high school that probably was best suited at guard uh, moves. Well, pretty athletic, a good, technically sound guy. I mean, Barlow's a wrestler. So uh, that's always a, a plus as far as just understanding leverage and things like that. When you're, when you're a blocker and Illinois um, loves wrestlers. Like they love the track guys at the skill positions they love basketball players who are defensive ends and tight ends. And they love wrestling offensive linemen. Yeah. And Kendrick, Kendrick green wrestler, Allegretti. Nick Allegretti yeah. wrestler, not a surprise. Um, and so, you know, you look at, you look at what he brings on the offensive line. I, I think he probably doesn't play tackle, especially, you know, you bring in Brevin Jones, I think Brevin Jones is probably your left tackle of the future, just with his athleticism and his length. I think they really like what he's going to bring. And so I think he really molds into that, that left tackle. And then, uh, you know, whether wise Carver goes inside or outside could dictate whether, you know, um, Barlev ends up at a guard spot or not. I mean, and it could just depend on who else they end up landing in the class if they find a guy that's more suited for right tackle. But I think you have uh, the flexibility with Wise Carver to play both. I think he's just that technically sound of a of a blocker that he could play either spot. Um, 
But with Barlev, yeah, I mean, I, I think he kind of gives you that Jake Cerny piece where he's maybe that sixth man could potentially be a starter uh, senior year, maybe even junior year, depending on how things progress. And, you know, he, he was a little bit dinged up. And so that probably stunted his uh, progression and stunted his development a little bit. Um, but, you know, with those wrestling guys, I, I think they come in a little more prepared than some of the others. And maybe with him, it's just a size thing. So, you know, if, if they're looking for another interior guy, um, you, you've got guys like Hudson Lillibridge still floating out there. Trevor Timmons was on the radar. Um, but you have an, a chance to get an in-state guy that's a wrestler that was, a, you know, going to be a fairly solid Mac offensive lineman. You know, I don't necessarily know that it's a huge reach. I really don't think it's a major reach. Um, you know, were they targeting some, some more high-profile guys? Sure. Uh, but I don't think this is necessarily a bad take because you need depth of the position moving forward. Uh, and I think it's a, a safe, a safe guy to take. Yeah. That's why like, Hey, you know, he's not the perfect guy you want at the top of the group, but they, they kind of got that guy. They think in wise Carver, Josh Cruz, I think everyone agrees with was a good take for them. Good fit for them. Uh, not just PR wise. I think he's a really good football player. Uh, Barlow's a good football player. Um, you know, is he the perfect big 10 offensive lineman prototype? No, but you need, a huge wave of talent here. And I do think he's got a higher floor as I was talking about. I think he'd be a really good Mac get. Um, and for Illinois that needs probably five offensive linemen in this class. I, I don't think that's a huge reach. Um, is he going to work out? We'll see. Uh, but uh, they like, they obviously liked him, right? Because they offered him first before anybody uh, in February. And then they came back around and got him once they got the MRI of his hip. That's all they were waiting for. And, and boy, they pushed. So they really liked him. Uh, speaking of, they really like Tyler Strain, too, because they were the first offer for him. USF Tulane also offered, but no other Power 5 offers. But I got to say, Ryan, I turn on the film, I like him. I just think I, uh, that, I liked him from the minute they offered. Yeah, I, you were asking I, about I a month ago, and I was like, I don't know if they are pushing for him. Uh, and apparently you were onto something there, right? Well, I, I watched his tape, and I said, you know, now that Illinois offered, I figured they maybe just had uncovered a really good athlete from a smaller school in Florida. And now he was going to get noticed, you know, two, three years ago, it was Illinois job to find under the radar athletes and get, get out recruited by other schools or have, you know, lose them at the last minute to like in Nebraska or in Iowa state. But, you know, in the case like this, I was shocked that he really didn't have that many more other offers because you put on the tape and he's got speed, he's got strength. He's really agile I mean, one of the first clips on his tape, and I like his receiver tape just as much as I do on DB, but, you know, one of his first clips, he makes like a Mikey Dudek catch. Like, he, he does that thing where he's like turning 180 in the air, one hands it behind his head, and you're like, all right, this kid's got some ball skills. Um, you know, and he's not just a DB with stone hands. Like, he can actually go out there and play some skill players. Um, you know, he plays a little bit of running back, a little bit of receiver, and a little bit of cornerback, and he's got that speed to keep up with just about any receiver. Now he's, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's maybe, you know, five ten, uh, maybe a little shorter, but he's listed at five ten. We'll they give him five ten. They got him at five eleven now. And people were arguing with me on the board. <laughs> is that undersized? Cause the average NFL DB is five eleven. I, I look at his film and he looks a little shorter than five eleven, which would be undersized. Right. Yeah. But so is Devin Witherspoon. So is Marquez Beeson. Beeson's D'Angelo Bentley. Yeah. I mean, those guys are different athletes, but I like the piece though. You can have an undersized guy when you got all these big corners and most of their guys are over six foot. Um, but you know, I compare his film to like Devin Witherspoon. I think strains is just as good as that. If not more impressive. And we know how good Devin Witherspoon. I think they got some similarities, not afraid to hit. Um, and that, that's, that's Kinoto Hudson to a T man undersized a little bit. Maybe, maybe overlooked Chip on a shoulder, but feisty feisty yeah. like he gets after people yeah and i think when you get a guy that also plays running back you get a guy that's not afraid of contact like he's not he's not backing away from contact uh you know being a little bit undersized he's got to bring that pop and so you, you see him do that some in some cases on his film you know he's not necessarily doing the shoulder tackles which are a, I, I personally i think a bad habit yeah. um there are some previous illinois safeties that fell in love with the shoulder tackle and i i just I, I couldn't take it. Hey, Stanley Green um, got better at it. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm singing like Dante Hardeman. Yeah. Love the shoulder tackle. Mila Eifler likes loved, the shoulder tackle right now. Yeah. Yeah. Dante loved missing shoulder tackles. <laughs> uh, no offense to him, but just a few of those that kind of stuck on my craw. But yeah. 
you know, strain, the thing I liked is you can see when he's lining up pre-snap, he understands positional leverage, um, you know, as far as from a cornerback standpoint. So you see him line up kind of semi-open to force the receiver to the outside so that he can use that sideline as a second defender. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's that's some heady stuff from a guy that plays both sides of the ball. And, you know, at a high school his size, it kind of feels like he's probably the best athlete on the field and probably the best athlete on the team. And so he, he gets counted on to go both ways, which another plus of that is he's probably in really good conditioning shape. So uh, especially being down in Florida where it's that hot that long. Um, but, uh, you know, from a from a technical standpoint, I really like what he did on tape. I, I almost think that maybe size was the only reason he didn't get more attention, uh, especially just in a state that's got a bunch of guys that are six foot, six one that run like that. Mm-hmm. Um you know, he's got some of those similarities to Theodore Lockley in that they're about the same size, about the same weight. Both have pretty good top end speed. I think Strain's probably a little more dense. Uh, he's just a little, a little more, a little more chiseled. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I think they're both those those type of guys that can fly around in the defensive backfield. You know, you've got Devin Witherspoon, Nate Hobbs, some slightly bigger corners, but now you're getting some of these guys that are just kind of like. I hate to call them pests, but they're kind of pests that can just really stay up in the guy's hip pocket, run with them, and then get a hand in there as the ball's coming in. And they're all guys who, once they get the ball in their hands, can take it a distance. And we know that's that's Lovey's thing. Um, yeah. I I just think you put all these pieces together that Kinoto put together, and I just it's it's a nice collection of different parts, right? Like I think Daniel Edwards has a really high floor, right? I mean, five eleven, he's on he's he's skinny. But he's fast. He's proven at a really good program. Um, His footwork is incredible. Right. So he's he's just a top 1,000 guy, one of the better guys in this class. I think he's going to play early in his career. He needs to because it's going to be Beeson, Witherspoon, and then probably those guys. I think Strain's going to play right away. Uh, I, I think he can be a backup, and I think he'll be a special teamer right away. Joriel Washington is one of my favorite guys in this class. 6'3", really physically impressive, good genetics, and I just think he's going to be in the middle of the field making plays. Like They, they had envisioned that for Antonio Johnson. I'm not saying Washington's as, as good of an athlete, but I, I see some similarities length-wise, physicality-wise, playmaking-wise, and I think he's going to be really good. And then you he's just kind, kind of, of – He's kind of a Kevin Mitchell. Yeah. A little bit. A little, the longer Back from than, like the, o, the yeah. 06, 07 team. You know, he's got that similar build where he could almost play linebacker, but, right. you know, he gives you a lot of range at safety. Right, yeah, just a guy who can do a little bit of everything. And then you kind of have Prince Green, who looks the part, but we haven't seen him play the part yet. Theodore Lockley, who's probably a better wide receiver prospect, but at six foot, 175, 4'5 speed, they think he can be a great DB with great ball skills. Uh, so we'll see him develop. Uh, and then D.D. Snyder, I just think, is a, is a nice, solid, all-around prospect that you know has a decent floor and I think will be in the two deep pretty early in his career. Right. So um, if three of those guys work out, solid. Four of those guys work out, that, that's a heck of a class. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, this is the kind of class that Austin Clark had about two or three years ago when he when he hauled in Seth Coleman and Keith Randolph yeah. and all those guys. You know, now it was Key's turn to pretty much reload his entire defensive backfield. And so he what he's done is, you know, he's we got a really good set of of components uh, at each of the positions, you know, each of the safety positions. I think Joriel is probably your in the box safety. Dee Snyder can play in the box, but he's probably more of a free safety. Um, and then you've got some corners that, that can just flat out run. I mean, Edwards, Strain uh, can both really, really run, uh, get out there with some speed. Prince Green's a really good athlete, just raw. So I think it's going to take him a little bit of time. But Green's kind of more physically in the mold of like a Nate Hobbs where he's a little bit taller, a little more physical. Uh, but, you know, they've got guys that are cover corners. They've got guys that are boundary corners. They've got – each of the two safety positions addressed and, you know, with the turnover that's going to take place in the safety position over the next year or two, uh, getting, getting bodies at that position, uh, was, was critical mm-hmm. and credit goes to Hudson. He went out and got it done. Um, you know, maybe they take one more back there just to, to build some additional depth. And especially if, you know, if you take a couple extra, you can always redshirt a couple mm-hmm. guys, you know, especially if you expect uh, a few of these guys to play right away. So you have the ability redshirt them spread them across a couple of classes and then you know you're not scrambling quite as much a couple of years from now you can you can start to get some more class balance at the position and uh, it evens out a little better yeah all right um right before i let you go uh biggest needs left in this class i just did my story what, what do you think 
Uh, I think offensive line, you still got to get some parts there uh, just because they graduate so much and so much behind this year's starters are, are still pretty unproven. Uh, you know, you don't want to find yourself constantly scrambling for depth. I mean, offensive line, you're always probably taking close to a handful every class just because it's such a big group and so many of those guys play. Uh, but I think offensive line is a big one. I think wide receiver is going to be a big one. They've got some good transfers, but I think on the prep side, they need more, uh, especially with guys like Strain and Lockley likely playing on defense. You you got Pat Bryant, but you're going to need to get a couple others at the position as well. You need speed. You need speed yeah. at that position. It, guys that can separate, guys can get open. So, um, you know, Thompson's a big addition, but you still probably need a prep receiver uh, just to help balance out the classes as well. Maybe get a slot guy if you can. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I think defensive end is probably important too. You know, you've got a couple of promising guys at defensive end um, and could probably build that position a little bit more. You've got, you know, you've got a solid top end for the future, but you really want to help uh, build behind those guys uh, and put a little more at that position for the long term. Yeah, like I, I think Cooper Davis can eventually be good. You mentioned Randolph Coleman. I, I think those guys are gonna be starters next season, twenty twenty one. But yeah, I, I think transfer they'll look at defensive end. I think offensive line they'll probably look at a transfer next year because they're losing uh, so many starters. But they're also still kind of looking in the market right now, Ryan. And a familiar name, Matt Torbebe, Daniel. This time, sixth year tight end at the USC. Uh, he enters the portal. I'm sure Illinois is gonna be interested in him and. I wrote my thoughts about uh, Daniel on the site, Ryan, this past week. What do you think about is that, is that a good match, Matt Bebe in Illinois? I mean, if you've got an open scholarship, what do you have to lose? Right. I mean, if, if otherwise that scholarship position is going to go unused, bring him in. I mean, the guy has shown at times that he can be a really productive tight end. I mean, you've already – you can make the argument either way because you, you already have Daniel Barker, you already have Luke Ford, who's now eligible, and that's already a pretty good one-two punch. Um but you bring him in, and I think you've probably got the best tight end room in the Big Ten um, between all three of those guys. I mean, with the Matro Bebe, the, the one concern you have is that he did have that hip injury, and those can sometimes be nagging or recurring. So health may be a concern, but, you know, he took the year off last year to, to rehab, to get healthy. And, you know, if he's back to at least 90% of his normal self, I think he gives you uh, a real unique weapon in the passing game. And the other thing too, that we see with, with all three of the top tight end or the two top tight ends. And then if Matt or Bebe joins the, he'd be the third. Um, they're all very flexible players. They're flexible pieces. And you wouldn't necessarily have to line them up at the end of the line. You could split them out wide and they would cause serious matchup problems. I mean, the Illinois use Barker, in, in that role at times, I would expect that they're going to use Luke Ford in that role in the slot sometimes just because he's such a bad matchup for linebackers. Um, and then, you know, if you have a guy like Imatro Bebe, you know, he's a tight end that can run like a receiver. I, I think that that gives you some opportunities to really create strategic mismatches. And I don't see why you wouldn't do that if you don't have the right. opportunity. Yeah, I have no question on it has interest and will have interest because why wouldn't, I mean, we're talking about losing Ricky Smalling, right? And that they've got big issues like who are your pass catchers? A match or baby is a pass catcher and you can play him and Barker at the same time. You could play, you know, him and Ford at the same time. You can play Barker and Ford. They will a lot in these 12 personnel setups. You can play all three inside the twenties, right? With, with mm -hmm. those and and who would want to match up with them and you know add Josh and Matt Torbebe and Mike Epstein and or Chase Brown to that mix. That's an interesting group that Rod Smith gets to play with if 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 that's what he can get. Like that would be unbelievable as an offense coordinator. Yeah, Ford and Barker might have to lose a couple reps if if a Matt Torbebe is fully healthy. But that, that's competition, man, uh, and, and that's what you want in your program. My bigger question would be, does Daniel Matsuor-Bebe have better opportunities, right? Does he have more given reps for him? Uh, does he want to go to a conference that's gung-ho about playing its entire schedule, maybe closer to Georgia where he's from? That would be my bigger question than whether Illinois would want Daniel Matsuor-Bebe, because why wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, and keep in mind that he did commit to Florida coming out of high school and then went to USC. Um but the other things I look at, too, as far as how they could utilize them, I mean, Illinois played Caleb Reams at a wide receiver spot this past year. Uh, Imatur Baby is probably a pretty good blocker. So if nothing else, you've got a guy on the perimeter that's, that could just run over a DB. Um, and, and no offense to Caleb. Love Caleb. 
Um, yeah. Daniel's a better he's, athlete, right? <laughs> like yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you mentioned it too, with Ricky Smalling being out, it's an opportunity for them to get another pass catcher on the field. Another guy that's just a matchup problem. Um, you know, I don't know if Daniel has quite the vertical that his brother does, but I would yeah. wager he at least can get up. Yeah. And so, you know, if you get some of those matchup problems, um, or you're able to create some of those mismatches and just put out like a very difficult to deal with group of pass catchers, regardless of what their position label is, you know, I, I create whatever advantages you can create for yourself and make it easier on Brandon Peters. Right. That, that's, I think the real goal for what they want to accomplish this year. Yeah. I think sometimes we get so into, Oh, this position's on the field at the same time, or this guy's the starter or whatever, when it's rotating, right. And you have different scheme packages and the more talent you have, the, the different looks uh, you can have. So I still have them, Ryan, after these moves, I mean, assuming, you know, Cerny's gone for good and, you know, Bonner could be gone for good. They still have a couple open scholarships. Um, so defensive tackle. Defensive tackle. The the kid Roderick um, Jones, right, out of South Carolina State. I think it's Roderick. I don't know. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Yeah, South Carolina State. Roderick FCS. Perry. Roderick Perry yeah, out of Roderick, South Carolina first State. Team, first team All-American FCS. Uh, and his conference canceled their season. So yep. he's now – uh, suddenly available. Illinois has a need on the defensive line. They have I would interest. not be surprised to see them push. They have interest. <laughs> that is for sure. I was going to watch some of his film this week. Yeah. I, I'd be looking, you know, I know Jaquay Hubbard just committed to West Virginia while we started this. Uh, he's a multi-year transfer. Like Illinois had some interest there. I'd be looking at that too. And that, they did this with Derek Smith last year, right? Keep a couple open scholarships. And given that there could be a lot of movement here based on the uncertainty um, it's not a bad time to have some open scholarships and, and what could be a big season, hopefully, <laughs> that they play on the field this fall. So uh, it is intriguing that you know those scholarships open up and, and they certainly still have some needs. And ideal, Ryan, would be if some edge rusher just became available that you can have there with Isaiah Gay, Owen Carney, and uh, you know, uh, Seth, Seth Coleman and Keith Randolph because you'd like another proven guy up there. Yeah, if you can get a guy that can be disruptive in the backfield, a guy that's got some experience and, and can play a physical brand of football like you would face in the Big Ten, because right now that's the only type of game you're going to play is a conference game in the Big Ten. So um, you know, if you can get a guy like that that just happens to suddenly become available and fall into your lap because maybe a season was canceled or a guy doesn't want to play in a certain area or doesn't feel, doesn't feel good about a situation, Listen, you take it. Brandon Peters and Josh Matt Torbay Bay were two of the final guys that they added, right? Now, I know that was June, all right? I, and that's where Baby might have been early July. But look how big of an impact those guys make. So even in addition, this late in the process, and there could be more just because, yeah, I mean, all those MIAC guys, some of these conferences that are going to cancel, you know, might as well go and see if you can get a Power 5 opportunity for maybe five games, maybe eight games, maybe 10 games. Who knows? Yeah. Absolutely. No, I mean, like I said, if, if there's guys that really are dead set on wanting to play this year and their season's been canceled out of their control and they want to prove themselves, especially, you know, in a case like a grad transfer who was a redshirt junior last year, a guy that's got one more year. And, you know, Perry is a guy that was getting NFL draft looks. And, you know, he's, he's probably going to be very sought after. Mm -hmm. I, I don't anticipate the competition to be light. Uh, but that's a guy who fits into that situation perfectly where he's looking to – play one year at a place where it's likely he could play mm -hmm. um, right away, be featured and uh, give one last boost to his draft stock before moving on. Yeah. Great stuff, Ryan. Um, we'll march ahead. See if sports can continue here. Uh, baseball. The one thing I, I think that happened with baseball is we got to prepare ourselves. Like we're, the big 10 is going to release a schedule at some point. Those games might've happened at a different time. Right, like if, if there's a Rutgers game scheduled, or say the the Purdue game, it might happen a month later or two weeks later. I still think they'll try to play football because boy, they need the revenue. But uh, I still think the schedule is very pending. Right, like it, it's just very like, hey, this is an idea we have. No idea when these will actually happen. The only other thing I could see them, and this is just me spitballing on the fly here, but the other thing I could see that would be kind of crazy is if they played half the season in the fall, games two weeks apart so that you have time to potentially screen between games or recover between games, and then you play the other half of the season in the spring. 
<laughs> I, anything's on the table at this point. And I, I think you look at all these ADs, I think from a revenue standpoint, it benefits them big time to, to find a way to have it. Uh, you just can't jeopardize the safety of the student athletes and be reckless with it. Yeah. So, and know, I, th- I think they're, to, I, yeah, I think they're trying, they're trying and they're, I think they're doing as best they can. And for most programs, they seem to be doing well with it. Right. But when you see Maryland shut down for weeks, Michigan state, I just think we have to prepare ourselves that, Hey, I really think they're going to try. And I, I think they're going to, they're going to play some games here, but there might be a game that might not be played. Like Illinois could play 10 games and maybe Michigan plays six or seven. Right or or Rutgers or Maryland only play six or seven or, you know I think that's just the way the season's going to go. You just try and get as many games in as you can safely. Yeah, it's kind of like golfing during a storm. Yeah. Get as many holes as you can in, and then just beeline it for the pro shop when the storm looks bad enough. Ryan, thank you, buddy. Uh, thanks, man. All right, great stuff as always from Ryan Easterling, Illini Inquirer. You can read all his stuff at IlliniInquirer.com. Illinois football continues to put the accelerator on adding talent despite. All of the uncertainty of the fall ahead, the summer ahead. Uh, They're definitely building up what their future roster will look like. And they continue to stay busy. I'm going to have some updates on some intriguing prospects they're looking at. One in-state offensive lineman and one wide receiver out of Florida who's currently committed to another program who Illinois has high interest in. Look for that coming up at Illini Inquirer. If you don't already, subscribe to our podcast. Rate us, review us. That really helps us out. And as always, you can sign up for Illini Inquirer VIP access if you don't already. $1 for your first month. Try us out. We've been busy. We've got a lot of basketball content with a big week with basketball coming up, as well as every football angle you can think of. Thanks for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Everybody stay safe, be kind to one another, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.